I was in a dance scene as well. We've both been in a movie and a dance scene, and I did not know that until today. Yeah, there you go. I've been in an ad too. Not telling you, though, which one. Hey, um, which one, Tim? Not telling. James earns millions from internet marketing. Tim's got millions of questions. Welcome to Freedom Ocean. Now, jump on in. Welcome back, listeners. Very motivated listeners, I'm imagining, Jimmy Shramko, to Freedom Ocean, episode 55, in fact. How are you, mate? I'm great. I'm I'm invigorated and uh, it's been good to get some great uh, reassurance and feedback from our listeners. They're, they're enjoying the show, which is fantastic. Well, so am I. So am I. And I hope you can hear it in my voice. <laughs> mate, you've changed your Skype photo. As I said just before we hit record, you're an attractive beast. And uh, it's just that close-up, that close-up image that's looking at me right now. You know, when I look at the fan page of ours on uh, Like Freedom Ocean oh, yep. on, on Facebook, both of us look really fat. <laughs> and I think we need to update that picture. Man, I've got, to, I've got to do some serious updating of avatars and website headers and profile pics that are – this is the thing, you know, what, once it's up on the net, mate – all those nude shots we put up of ourselves, I mean, how do we get them back? It's funny you should say that because I do actually have some nude shots out there from a long yes, time ago. of course you do. But the the thing... What name were you going under out of interest? Oh, no, it's under my own name. It was under, but, Good um, on you. The, <laughs> that was actually one of the first reasons I got my own domain and started populating it was to overwrite all the references and stuff because I did appear in a feature film once. Ah. And... This is, I mean, we're talking in the 90s, early 90s, 1993, I think. So it's a, a long time ago, well before I knew about the internet. It didn't really exist. Yeah, out of interest, so, what was that film rated, James? Uh, this is The film was called Muriel's Wedding and it was a G rating. <laughs> That's a big film. It was a huge, huge hit, like a massive Hollywood hit. So it was, you know, when I took on the role... I thought about what would happen later if I want to be a politician or whatever and I considered yeah. the G rating would be fine. And I do appear sort of nude in the film but you don't see any bits. Oh, I, I so want to go down this path and listeners are going, go down that path but it's just going to distract. It's going to distract. <laughs> and, and but, I, uh, you know, it's what we're talking about is moments in time locked in and I actually think that kids now have no idea no. what they're doing for their future because they put all these pictures of them vomiting at parties or, mm. you know, they, they're going to regret it. I look at pictures of myself as a kid when I'm in the garage moving around files and stuff, looking at them going, oh, my God, thank God these aren't on Facebook. Well, I, I, will they regret it? They're, everyone's going to be in the same boat. That generation who are posting the spew pics, they're all posting the spew pics. So it's like, yeah, yeah, everyone's got spew pics, you know. <laughs> Don't know. Oh, nude on, nude on Muriel, in Muriel's wedding. I was also in a feature film about 10 years ago called One Perfect Day and I'm dancing at a rave party. And I also did a scene that was a bit kind of, it was a bit of a weird scene. It is on the cutting room floor, thank God. Um, a mate of mine was the director of the and, the and a writer of the film, and that's the only reason I was in it. Why were you nude in Muriel's wedding that was rated G? Well, I was doing acting classes to improve my confidence, and the mm. acting class had an agency that put out um, acting jobs. Mm. And this, uh, my director called me, he said, we need someone who is American and prepared to go full frontal nude. And I'm like, of, of course, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Hello. 
Well, obviously, I can put on an American accent, and yeah, yeah I'll I'll take off my shirt for a, a role. And I was about twenty three, something like that. Yeah, twenty two. So you know, I was pretty buff and tan. If you saw it, you'll think, oh wow, I was really in great shape. Yeah. And uh, you know, I had even had a solarium back then at some point. So oh, yeah, I took on the role because I wanted to. I wanted the experience. I wanted to be famous. The the funniest thing is, like here we are. I think what are we twenty years later. I am now acting out close to what I envisage being an actor would be. I'm actually broadcasting audios and videos, albeit with clothing, like mm. shirt or whatever. But I'm actually living a lifestyle that is closer to what I thought I would have, where I get paid good sums of money to perform and to project and to create. But I just didn't know how to do it back then when I was trapped in a job and ju- just, uh, you know, engaged or whatever to be married. A couple of points there, Jimmy. One is um, the, the idea of doing acting classes for confidence. Um, I've often thought that is a great idea. Uh, anyone listening who's kind of lacking that confidence of putting themselves out there, putting their head above the trench, as I would say, go and do. I've never done acting classes. You can vouch for acting classes. I've done a number of public speaking um, workshops when I worked in advertising, they put me through one a year. Maybe I look back now and they were trying to tell me something. But, you know, what I do know is that whilst they made me a better public speaker, that was almost secondary to actually just, you know, it was like once you get up in front of people and once you share your message, it gives you a confidence that you didn't know you had. Absolutely. And in this case, I think the real power of doing acting school is watching yourself back on camera. That's when you realize that you scratch your ear or you have a lisp when you're tired or, you know, you actually hear yourself back and you see yourself back. It's Mm -hmm. totally different than looking in a mirror. Do not practice in front of a mirror. Practice in front of a camera and watch it back and you'll be strong. And you could do this in the privacy of Mm. your own home these days. Every Mm. computer has a camera. If you want to be doing this own the race course marketing that I talk about and putting yourself out there as an expert, just turn on the camera and film and film and film and play it back to yourself until you're ready to let it out in the wild. That's it. And have a laugh, you know. Ha- have don't a laugh, it. but you'll learn so much. And you don't sound like you think and you don't look like you think. And, and, no, you sound uh, much worse and look much worse. Exactly. You think, <laughs> oh, my God, you know, you just <laughs> can't. that me? I can't stand the sound of my own voice and I don't think yeah. I'm as handsome as you think I obviously am. But, yeah. the, you know, I don't care and now I'm past it. And when I think about you, Timbo, I think you're one of the most incredibly confident people up there on a platform of all the people I know. So obviously you've done a lot of this and I think time in helps. Wow. Well, thank you. And it, it is time in does help. That's called I call that match fitness. Uh, and in fact, you know, I've got I've had about three weeks since I've done a speaking engagement and I'm absolutely champing at the bit to get back on that stage and share so it's great you know once you get into that zone it's like you know i was even thinking yesterday gee i got a phone call from this agent fellow who who helps get me some speaking engagements and i when i saw his name came up i thought oh here we go he might have a booking for me to get up on a stage tomorrow but he didn't <laughs> he just wanted to touch base on some contractual thing but um it's nice when you get into that space hey this is a good lead in james to a topic which i literally just shared on I just recorded an episode of Small Business Big Marketing before we went on air with this, and I gave an update on 
uh, like I don't think I've shared this with Freedom Motion listeners. I'm trying to get Seth Godin on small business, big marketing, right? Yep. And we had some email dialogue. For those who don't know, Seth Godin, marketing doyen, written a number of very, very fantastic books, very strong opinions and points of view around all things marketing. Uh, interesting guy. Trying to get him on my show. He knocked me back. Short, Long story short, he said, no, I don't want to appear on small business, big marketing. Very politely, but... Uh, and I kind of was a bit deflated from that. Subsequently, a listener of Small Business Big Marketing emailed me during the week and pointed me to an episode of Seth's podcast in which he gives reasons as to why he knocked me back and maybe a number of other people like me, although he didn't refer to me specifically, and I don't think uh, I'm one of the people that he talks about. But let me, I'll, I'll share what he said because it plays into this discussion about the fact that, you know, 20 years later, you are living out your acting dream. You've got your own shows. We've both got our own shows individually and with Freedom Motion. But I reckon you'll have some points to say here. You with me so far? Absolutely. I think you're going to tell me something about only appearing somewhere where there's a bigger audience than what you have. That, that is his last point, actually. That's his last point. He makes a bigger point than that, but he certainly, and I wasn't going to cover that because that kind of, it almost goes without saying, but he he, he looks for people with bigger audiences that he, than him. And he says he says that unapologetically, and he even says that, I think he, he refers to that being unashamedly looking for bigger audiences. But here's what he says. I've kind of, um, I've, I've captured it shorthand. Everyone, he said, these days, everyone can have their own TV or radio show online. And I've been saying that for years. When I heard the first podcast seven years ago, eight years ago, I remember I remember a mate was in the same room and, and I've looked at it and I said, Paul, this is unbelievable, this podcast thing. This means any small business can have their own show. It took me four years, five years after that to then get my own show, but I, I, I think that's amazing. So everyone these days can have it. He acknowledges that. It's easy to be the invisible no personality conduit, right? He said there's a lot of people doing that, just showing up every week but adding no value. So he's talking about these people who have now got their own shows who are interviewing experts. That's what he's referring to. And he he's saying these people are trading off the equity of the expert that comes on onto the show to be interviewed. They don't have the guts to have a point of view, he says. Feel free to interrupt or I'm sure you're going to have a point. No, no, I'm loving this so far, okay. but I... I Totally. Um, it's, it's, I'm just thinking he's used words that my mentor used to word like conduit. Yep. yep. Uh, and then I'm thinking about people like John Carlton who say most people live boring lives and how that sort of fits with you have to add some value, You've got to add not value. just suck the value. Absolutely. Two more points. He reckons we need more people showing up with a point of view and worth following for themselves and not for who they're speaking to. And at the end, he summarizes, he says, you know, he's looking for bigger audiences or he'll always say yes to bigger audiences. But he just says, become your own distinct voice. And when I heard that, I've gone, geez, you know, clearly he saw me as someone who was just the conduit. I don't expect him to have listened. So therefore, my email to him was not a good email because he's, he's based the decision of not coming on my show based on that email. I don't expect to him to have listened to the 120 or so episodes that I've done of small business, big marketing. But if he had of, I hope he would have gone, hey, this guy's got very strong opinions about small business marketing. He happens to interview experts, but 
with the expert coming on and my own opinions, there's some marketing inspiration. So I think he makes some good points and I'm going to continue to chase him down and uh, see whether I can get him on sometime during this year. It is really good. I mean, I crossed this line recently where we have one filter in place before I go and do a podcast with someone else. We want to make sure they've got an established show and an audience now. So I think I've been donating people their first podcast, which has been great, but for the same return on investment, if I can get a bigger audience or get out a broader distribution, then um, they've they've worked harder to earn that spot and I feel that it increases mm-hmm. the value for both of us. Yep, Absolutely. I mean, it is. I mean, we're seeing it. I'm seeing it. You're seeing it. There's plenty of people coming, jumping on the content marketing wagon, and so they should. It's a bloody good wagon. But you don't want to be creating content 100% off other people's knowledge. You've got to bring something to the game. I love it. That that sort of hinges off that Mm. uh, last episode we did where I was talking about people who cut and paste my site and how irritating that is because they add no value. They just suck and leech from my value. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. I think, therefore, if people are listening to this and going, oh, wow, how do I come up with a unique idea, a brand new opinion? I don't think it's that severe. I'm not sure there's that many new ideas in the world today. I'm willing to be challenged on that, but there's certainly new spins on it. It's like that guy, um, Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek, Simon Sinek, who's come up with this whole why. You know, if you get your why, then everything else falls into place. That's not new thinking. I mean, people who have been working on brand development, brand building, marketers have known that for years, but he's packaged it up in a way that is really interesting. You've packaged up the idea of own the race course in a way, that whole that whole concept of a whole approach to marketing, you've labelled own the race course. And likewise, you know, that's, that's you know, I'll tread, I'll tread carefully here. It's not necessarily brand new thinking, but you've packaged it up in a way that makes it really easy for people to get. Yeah, and I, and the, and I just wanted to make the point to anyone who's building out on Facebook or YouTube in particular, because you see that a lot. Mm. They're crazy. They are absolutely insane. And that's my real hook or angle on own the race course is the, the first word in that own where you can have control and you can be the master of your own destiny instead of like they're literally just building someone else's platform at mm. any time that rug could be pulled so i wanted to find a way to express that and i just hinged it from some things that my mentors taught me and and this mm-hmm. one guy in particular was such a control freak uh, he would like he would even wait till I get the number plate of my dreams at the the car dealership, and then he would take it off my car and put it on his car. It was like he was yeah, pissing right. in my face, showing me how <laughs> I don't own anything there, and I'm building on his platform. So it really spurred me on to create my own platform, and that's why I can now grab back my life and move it in the direction I want. So I don't have to go to casting editions now to turn up in a film i can just turn on my canon and make a film because it, you know it's here i'm i'm in that position and if there was going to be something inspirational for listeners it would be that you can grab your life with both hands and make what you want of it and you don't have to blame someone else you don't have to make someone else responsible for what you get you're going to get out what you want if you are prepared to do what it takes to get it 
Cool. <laughs> well, you are in the eye of the tiger right now, James. I am. I'm. A, I'm in the best phase of my entire life. I freely, oh, freely admit. Beautiful. It. Love that. I love that. Now, um, I love also the fact that we didn't plan this episode, but so far, so good. <laughs> I gave you. No, nothing. you told me. You gave me nothing. No input at all. It's like hit record. I okay. Know you do. But you I know don't. what? I actually prefer I that. And you know, in in uh, 1991, I went to a recruitment officer merely out of curiosity because she ran an ad for a similar job to what I was doing, but for much higher pay. And I was wondering if it was our own company. And I said to her, she goes, what do you want to do? What sort of, what things do you like? I said, I would like a job where I get a mobile phone. And these were pretty rare in 1991, right? Not everyone had one. Where I get a mobile phone and it would ring and I have to make decisions on the spot and I have to be instantaneous because I think quickly on my feet. And she said, you should be a stockbroker. That's what they do. Yeah. So that was... It didn't pan out. That, she, she wasn't. I mean, I could have seen you that. Bit of um, Gordon Gecko in Wall Street, <laughs> yeah. you know, sell, sell. I wanted the mobile phone. That was the real, yeah. that was the status symbol. Isn't that funny? It's like, yeah, how many people kind of make massive decisions based on just simple little things like, you know, you wanted a mobile phone. I mean, go and buy the mobile phone. Back then they would have been expensive though. but they were, they, It cost me $1,700, I think, my first mobile phone. I reckon people are still making silly decisions based on, you know, as long as they get the mobile phone, whatever the mobile phone may be in the, yeah. in the context well, it, of the decision. There's two points here. One is half the time we're not honest about our real motivation, mm-hmm. right? If we could just be more open about our real motivation – I mean, for a lot of people, it'll probably just boil down to more sex. There it is. Right? And everything else is going to get them more Mm -hmm. sex. They'll be more pretty, more handsome, nicer car, better house, uh, you know, because then they'll be more appealing to the opposite Mm -hmm. sex. So that's probably a fundamental driver for a lot of people. But if that's not the case, that's fine. But I'm just using the example. So more sex. More sex. They do things for the, you know, they're not honest about it. Uh, that's that was really that's a big point. They they really should tap into their real motivation when they're doing things, and they can get they can actually take a straighter path. Yeah, well, I think honesty. I mean, if if people go back to what are we talking? The last episode 50, 52, No, episode fifty three of Freedom Ocean Reloaded. Timbo and James get focused. I mean, that was an honest episode, revisiting why. We, I mean, I went right back to why. Why? What, what was Freedom Ocean about originally, and just revisiting that. And I think you know. And people don't penalise you for being open mm. in most cases. They like because you're human, mm. and it's it's uh, that vulnerability, that exposure of. I mean, I've talked about things on this show that I probably didn't uh, talk about publicly for a long time. It just it just comes out when we talk for some reason. You've got this soothing, <laughs> you know, information extraction technique going on. But look me in the eye, look me yeah, in the yeah. eye. Yeah, but, I th- you know, it actually feels fantastic to be able to just talk about it and then, and then people – Instead of you know criticizing us uh, most of the time, although I have been called arrogant before, so deep apologies for that. Uh, four, um, four days ago on an email, yeah. From well, a listener. Look, apart from that, hello to that listener. Yeah, hello. But look, occasionally, and and you know what, I probably was arrogant, so I'm okay with it. I, I mm-hmm. do. I have been called that before, uh, mm-hmm. but I I think I'm just probably very confident. That's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, but for the most part, people are really supportive. And uh, we got a lot of support for that episode because people would rather have the show than not have the show. And they'll take it, uh, warts and all. Well, you raise a really interesting question because every time that I have been, what's the word, not honest, because I'm always honest on my show. I like to think I'm an honest type of fellow generally. But when I share stuff on this show and small business, big marketing, a few episodes ago, I talked about how I lost my mojo. In fact, it was the last episode of 2012. I did it on New Year's Eve. And I, sh- I reflected back on the year and one of the points I made was that during that year, I lost a bit of my mojo. Pretty up guy, you know, generally like to have fun and laugh, but there was a point where I lost my mojo for various reasons. And I'm continuing to get email from listeners who go, man, I appreciated what you said then. And it, it, that's interesting. And I go, well, that's cool. It was nice to be able to share that with you, my listeners, because I really love the fact that you come along for the ride. I, I every now and then ask myself, how much of yourself do you share? If you are going to put your head above the trench and are going to go down that content marketing route, have a have a video marketing strategy, podcast, blog, whatever it is, how much of yourself do you share? I think you you can share whatever you want about yourself, but you have to consider the people around you as well. And Mm -hmm. there's probably some things that you shouldn't share. Mm -hmm. I think like anything extraordinarily personal or private, you know, words are like an arrow. Once they've been released, you can't get it back. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a... Mm -hmm. Idiest, bittiest little buffer zone with these recordings where we might be able to go back and edit something out. But these days, yeah. uh, my team are editing these recordings and have done for probably the last six or seven episodes. And mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, they'll usually just let stuff fly. I did have to edit one thing back. I said something <laughs> in one of the one of my other podcasts that I, I'm like, no, they shouldn't have let that go. <laughs> and right. because people might have taken it the wrong way, I was talking about. I was, I was really cross with something like really frustrated and i said you know what i felt like doing but i would never do it and you know so we had to edit that out Um, by the way i remembered that second item that was important and it's somewhat ironic that you know about people making decisions with short notice Mm -hmm. or for the wrong reasons you don't Mm -hmm. have to make a decision on the spot all the time and that's something i learned later on is that you can use this magic pause button Buyers do it all the time yeah, when they're yeah. pretending to buy something and they say, I've got to think about it. But in business, you don't yeah, have yeah. to make decisions on the spot. Like uh, when you said to me, you've lost the mojo and you want to, you know, you understand if I have to stop the show or whatever, that doesn't mean like mm. it's over right then and there. It means, okay, just, just stop, think, what are the options? And, mm. you know, uh, and then you can make better decisions mm. with a little bit of a space and then come back and make the right decision. And oh, and while we're on decision making, I remember this classic piece from Peter Drucker, who's one of my absolute favorite all time superstars. And he said that the power of the decision is not how long you take to make it or how much weight you put on this or that. It's mostly in hindsight, the best decisions are made when you are able to look back and make that uh, reflective hindsight decision. Okay. Well, based on everything that happened before, this is where I think the best choice is. So you learn from the past. Learn from the past, that's all. Yeah, learn from the past, but maybe, yeah, well, that's a discussion for another he time. He said you won't really know if it was a good decision or not until afterwards. Hmm. And then the point is 
look back and go, was that a good idea? Yeah, so a right. lot of the strategic stuff I do in my business is, okay, you know, I made a decision to not sell my front-end products for low prices based on the fact that the bottom 40% of my sales generated 2% of my revenue. Mm-hmm. And then I go back three months later and I say, was that a good decision or a bad decision? And to my delight, I discover that now 6% of my sales come from my bottom 40% of the customers. Mm. And the total revenue from them is um, double what it was before pretty much. So I've realized that it was a good decision. But if I'd gone back and found it was a bad decision or a poor decision, I could reverse it and it wouldn't be too late to mm-hmm. you know, make decisions for the next quarter. Now, Shremko... I think that's been good banter. And I said, yeah, no. Oh. Haven't we had some interesting topics? I did, we, we did not know that you were in a movie in a yep. dance scene. Well, hang on. Well, that's that's completely irrelevant because you're full frontal in Muriel's wedding. So uh, I know what's going to be. I was in a dance though. scene as well. We've yeah. both been in a movie in a dance scene, and I did not know that until yeah. today. Yeah, there you go. I've been in an ad too. Not telling you, though, which one. Hey, um, which one, Tim? Not telling. So you, what I was going to talk about today, which we will save for another time, I was going to hit you with the you got to have stuff to sell headline and talk about more and more as I look around, there's lots of people who are generating traffic with nothing to sell. That's yeah. been me. And yep. there's other people who have got wonderful things to sell but haven't got an audience. So yeah. um, I thought that would be a really good topic, uh, which we will save for a future episode. I was going to briefly share the fact that I have got my Small Business Big Marketing Forum open for business. By the time this episode goes to air, it will be, and I'm excited by that. I'm also shit scared um, because uh, I remember you saying to me once, and it's ringing in my ear, having a forum is like having a young child. But um, yep. I'm excited by that because I th- But you're social, Tim, and, and I think you're – look, th- this, is this a paid forum? Yep. Okay. The secret to this is it's got to be worth your time and attention. Like with a baby, you've got, you got to turn up for the next 18 years, right, <laughs> until they leave home. You have to turn – it's not optional. You can't mm. just sort of hand it over. So the thing is with the forum, if it's paying you enough, if you can see the, the return on your time and turn up – then it's like an enjoyable child. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if, if it's not rewarding enough and you don't want to turn up and you start resenting it, then you feel stuck with it. So mm. um, the best thing you do is mention it. Tell people why they should join it so that they can go along and find out about it. Yeah, I've got all that. I've done, a, I've done an audio. There's a sales page. If people go to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and click on the right-hand sidebar, there's a, there'll be a banner that says Forum and takes them to a sales page that explains as an audio from me and a video explaining um, what it's all about and what what the value is. I just see there there's that gap. In fact, one of one of our listeners identified they they kind of segmented you and I. So um, you're the guy who's kind of on that leading edge online internet marketing, you know, business stuff, and that's why your fast web formula is is so successful. Whereas I'm the guy who's dragging who is dragging that bricks and mortar small business owner who knows who knows the marketing landscape has changed who listens to me as I say hey there's never been a better time to market a small business and I'm kind of dragging them into the new age and that's kind of um that's me versus you and it's uh, what my forum is is all about 
That'll be awesome. And, uh, you know, as I go out and I've been buying a couple of things lately, I just went and grabbed a new washing machine the other day and there's still so much that can be done in real businesses. So with, much. With customer service and negotiation and, I mean, I've just had unbelievable sales experiences lately, really exceptional ones and some mm-hmm. pretty ho-hum ones that every small business who employs staff should be learning about. Mm-hmm. I hope it covers those sort of topics because that would be really, really good. Well, it's, it, I've broken it up into a number of different rooms, if you like, and uh, absolutely, you know, like I just want to cover the whole gamut of marketing online and off and just give people – just keep people motivated, you know. Like they, there is – there's that – if all those small business owners that I speak to when I give keynotes, presentations around Australia, soon to be the world, they're all coming up and going, oh, I know all these opportunities are out there, but I'm still stuck running ads in the local paper or doing a letterbox drop or, you know, and those things may still be valid, but there is that kind of, there's the additional things that you could be doing these days for less cost, maybe a little bit more time, but yeah, Gosh, you know, when you kind of reflect back on what where you and I are at with our marketing, and anyone listening to this show, I mean, you're ahead of the curve, guys. You are, you are way ahead of the curve just by listening to a show like this and implementing some of the stuff. Take a look around, and I bet your competitors don't have video, or I bet your competitors aren't considering doing a podcast or whatever it may be. So um, it's exciting times. Well, Timbo, I think we'll have to wrap it there. I was just trying to get in first. <laughs> You're, you always end the show. And, and no, mate, you, here you go. Over to you. I've, I've finished. See ya. All right, listeners. Well, it's been awesome having you on the show. We're in the new, re-inspired, reloaded, reinvigorated, amazing, uh, updated Freedom Ocean 2013 is our current year, whenever you're listening to this. It's been great having you on the show. Be sure to send in your comments. We do reply to emails, but also you can go to our website and down the bottom there's this little leave a voice message thing that takes you to a service called SpeakPipe and you can use the recording equipment on your computer computer to leave us a voice message and we may play your message and if you have a question we might answer it as well and of course if you love the show head over to itunes and leave us a five star ratings we might do a little shout out i think to our uh, people who give us some ratings in the next episode so thank you listener thank you timbo Uh, you know you know at the grammy awards when the speech goes for too long and they start playing the music yeah yeah we just uh, that just happened right (laughs) (laughs) see ya see you buddy Thanks for diving into the Freedom Ocean with James Schramko and Tim Reed. You've just come that little bit closer to living the life you choose. Please keep in mind that the ideas, opinions, and information shared in the show are those of the hosts and do not reflect those of their past employers. And as far as future employers go, well, they're both pretty much unemployable. (laughs) 